in his presence. If you have your Bibles with you, will you turn to Romans chapter 12? <coughs> Romans chapter 12. And I will begin reading in verse 3. Romans chapter 12, begin reading in verse 3. <coughs> and it reads, For I say through grace given unto me, that every man that is among you not think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, all members have not the same office. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one a member of one another yes. having then gifts differently according to the grace that is given us yes. and I'm not going to get any farther than that today amen 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 amen, amen. matter of fact I'm not even going to deal with verse 3 amen we have been dealing with growing up in Christ and we've been trying to lay out the analogy that as you grow up in Christ it is at stages of growth in your natural life and I've been saying that we are at the young adult stage and in a young adult stage you begin to learn that there's more than just being a Christian, but when you become a young adult, you begin to become a disciple. And part of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, you begin to understand and to discover that God has given you a gift. That God has gifted you to be someone special to play a part in the building of his kingdom. Amen. 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 In these verses, Paul who wrote this is beginning to break down some of the gifts that are given in the body. And the way that I break up the gifts may be different than many other people, but just through my studying, I break them up in three categories. I break them up in the office gifts found in Ephesians 4, the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, the foundation that instructs who equips all the rest of the body. Then I, I see the gifts in first. Corinthians as the manifestation gifts, the gifts of the supernatural, the manifestation that comes out. But the ones I want to begin to deal with in this series is the motivational gifts that are found here in Romans. Pastor, 
Why are you dealing with the gifts? Because what becomes apparent in my studying is this. That as I become a disciple, disciple also means that I have become a steward. And as I become a steward of God, then that means that I am accountable to God for how I manage over the things he has given me. And even though I'm saved by grace, one of these old days, I'm going to stand before God and God's going to ask me, did I do what I was supposed to do with the things he's given me? Which means that if God is going to find me faithful, I best find out what he gave me so I know what to do with it. See, many of us don't know what we're supposed to do. And when we stand before God, God's going to say, why didn't you do? I didn't know I was supposed to do. Well, didn't you know I gave you that? No, I didn't know. So it becomes my job to teach you or to show you or to lead you how to find out what God has given you. We are managers. We are not owners. God is the owner. Well, Psalms 24 said that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. Why? Because he established it upon the flood and he's the one who made it all. So everything you got has been loaned to you by God. And if God is the owner of it, one of these old days, he's going to come by and say, Flag, what you been doing with the things I've given you? There's accountability factor in this Christianity. I just can't come up here, get saved, and sit down and do nothing. Let me me just... We got too many do-nothing Christians anyhow. It's about time we get some do-something Christians so we can turn this world upside down. Where is the power? If, if, if we all the church and the gates of hell shall not prevail, that means that there ought to be some changing going on. Somewhere. And most of it, most of our failure has been that we have not really taken seriously our responsibility of managers over that which God has given us. We handle everything as though it is ours and we can do what we want to with it. But the truth of the matter is nothing is yours. And you can't do everything with it. We ought to be going to God saying, Lord, teach me. Well, she's my wife. I can do what I want to with her. Oh, no, no, no. Before she was your wife, she was God's daughter. And God gave her to you. And God wants you to treat her a certain way. And you can't do anything. You. Why? Because one of these days you're going to stand before God and God's going to say, I gave you this woman. Did you love her? Did you nurture her? Did you? But that's my man. I can talk to him anywhere I want to. Oh, no, you can't. If God gave it to him, God sure enough can take him away.
away from you. Because one of these days you're going to stand before God and God's going to say, those are our children. We can do what we want to do with them. Uh, one of these old days, God's going to say, what did you do? Did you teach them? Did you train them? Did you bring them up in my word? Did you pray with them? Did you teach them about me? That's our ties. That's not what God says. God says, you robbed me. Uh, we don't want to talk about ties, do we? But God says in Malachi, he says, wait a minute, God, how, how I rob you? Your ties and offering. But what you talking about, I robbed you. That's my temper. God said, no, it's my temper. And I gave you 90%. No, that's my car. No, I gave you the money to buy that car, but that's... No, that's my house. No, it's my house. And if I put it on your heart to to bring in a homeless person, you got to... See, we have gotten to the place that we are not available. It's our agenda. It's it's what we want. It's where we want to go. It's what we want to do. It's how we want to do it. It's when we want to do it. And we're not asking God anything because we're asking God to bless what we want. And I'm learning that God don't bless my agenda. God don't bless my well-planned out agenda. What God blesses is me finding out what he wants and getting in the flow of what he wants and saying yes, Lord, to what he wants now. I can expect to be blessed. But it's learning that we are managers over what God has given us. We're not owners, but we are just managers that one of these old days, he's going to come back and say, and I'll be honest with you, you know, when we was kids, you know, I hear some stories. If dad said have the grass cut by the time he comes back, dad expected the grass cut by the time he came back. Now, some of us kids played around until we know you're supposed to be home at 6 o'clock and it's 15 minutes till and it takes two hours to cut the grass. And when Dad walked in, we out there trying to, the llama won't start. And Dad has, has, a, has a question. Why didn't you cut the grass? Well, Dad, the llama wouldn't start. Why didn't you put gas in it? Gas is right there. Then we saw him, honey. You know, Dad always know when. All of us can identify with that scenario. As a child, we was given responsibility. And when Mom and Dad came home, we didn't do it. And then we had to face the consequences how much 
Jesus in all of his glory and we're going to see him as God. And we stand before him and he's going to say, why didn't you? And I'm going to look at the holes in his hands and realize that the holes are there for me. He's going to say, why didn't you? I think that you're going to be able to see the hole in his side and I'm going to realize that hole is there for Why? Luke 12. Gospel according to Luke, verse 12. Once you get to chapter 12, take a look at verse 47. And Jesus is giving an illustration of the kingdom. Luke 12, 47. And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many shots. Now, now, what do you mean beaten? Now, notice he called him servant. They don't call him unbeliever, call him servant. And this servant even knew the will. Don't you know that, that just... Let me, let me give you an example. You know when you know that you're about ready to do something wrong, the holy... Let's, let's take it a step further. You have done something wrong. Yeah, even before, but even after you've done something wrong, the Holy Spirit deal with you more then. You know you're supposed to call that person and say you're sorry and all night long trying to sleep, right? Holy Spirit is just working on you. And you try to make excuses. Well, they said it first. Well, I'll get to them tomorrow and the Holy Spirit just trying to, try, you know, fix the pillar and still case. Would you be on wood? That's says when you're getting whooped. Why? Because God wants his children to act like him. Now let's bring this back around to our giftedness. Let's bring this back around. In the giftedness, in the motivational giftedness, and the reason why I call it motivational giftedness, because it has everything to do with our personalities. It's the Holy Spirit, but God has given us that character of himself that best fits our personality. Matter of fact, let me explain something to you. You can't activate it until the Holy Spirit is in you, but your personality has already been framed for the particular gift, dominant gift God wants you to have. Uh, let me, that panel in that wall is new. You know why it's there? Three weeks ago, it wasn't there. Our furnace went out. That room, that furnace room, the furnace was put in first, then the room was built around it. Notice that. The furnace went in first, and then that room was 
frame around that component. Now the problem with that is that when that big part went out, they couldn't get it through the door. Why? Because everything was so tightly fit around the furnace that they couldn't get it out and they couldn't get in. So they had to cut a big hole in our wall. Psalms 139. Psalms 139. Turn there. Turn there. Psalms 139. I want you to see this. Since God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning, he knows everything. He knew everything about our lives before we was even born. Verse 14, Psalms 139, verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works <laughs> and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee while I was made in secret and curiously wove in the lowest parts of the earth. Thy eyes did see my... He's saying that while you was yet... At the moment of conception, God knew you. At the moment of conception, God knew everything that was going to happen to you. God already planned out in his thinking which of his characters would be most dominant in you based on what you was going to go through. See, God knew your tendencies, bad and good, before the foundation of the world. So God was in you, working you, framing you while you was yet in your mother's womb. God was already planning out, already had it already had it blueprinted out. He, he already had it all laid out of what you would need to be complete in him. See, you're no secret. Preacher, what about that bad trauma accident that happened to me when I was five years old? God knew it was going to happen, but God even put that in the framework of it. And what he did was he left room. Let me make this clear. In your personality, everything that has happened to you was framed around the unique giftedness he wanted to give you. He didn't start with what happened to you first. He started with what he wanted you to be first. Then he framed everything around that. It's like if he wanted you to have mercy, you just a person. I don't want to talk about him yet, but I need to give an illustration. If he wanted you to be a person of mercy, he put mercy in that first, then frame everything around the mercy. Just like they put the furnace in first, then built the room around the furnace. God gave you your unique, he planned your unique giftedness and framed everything around it. But that creates a problem. That creates a problem. 
You see, when that furnace went out, the element that made heat is what went out. And no matter how much I went to that control and tried to cut it on, we couldn't get no heat. You can build the baddest car you want to build, but if you don't put an engine in it, I don't care how many times you turn the key and press on the gas, you ain't going nowhere. And the reason why some of us are not settled. Number one, if you don't, if you're not saved, you don't have an engine. You you don't you don't have a heating element. You don't have the Holy Ghost. And no matter how much you try, you can't make it fit. You can't make yourself. You can't pull it together. Why? Because God framed you to have Him in you. And if you don't have God in you, you can't do it by yourself. It just doesn't work. And no matter what area you want to go into, unless you feel by the Holy Ghost, you will try everything and everything just won't fill you because God built you to he that you need him. Amen. Second problem. You got him, but you don't know what's dominant in you. All of your life, People said you were strange. Your mama and daddy had a different uniqueness, so they thought that you were supposed to be like them, so they tried to force you to be like them, but what God put in you was different than what he put in them. And all of your life, you've been an oddball. You've been the black sheep because there's something uniquely different about you. But all God was doing was saying, yeah, I, I got something that you're going to be in. It's different from the better people in your family and they won't understand you, but that's okay. Trust me. And some of us even now are, are scared. We are afraid to be ourselves in God. Because all of our lives, we've been put down. So we're trying to be like somebody else. But God wants you to be you in him. Somebody trying to mold you and say, no, man, that don't go like that. That goes like this. Your tie go over here. Get off of me. You don't know me. God is the only one that knows me. God, you fix me. Some of us are going to the wrong people to get fixed. See, the only one I know that can fix me is God. Oh, you may not like me, but that's okay, because God is working on me. It's 16. Still in Psalms 139. The eyes did see my substance, yet being unformed, un, unperfect. My mama didn't even know she was pregnant yet, but you already knew. You knew my end from the beginning, and in your wonderful work, you already was framing 
my personality around what character of yours will become most dominant in my life. Let me explain. Let me let me explain. Let me explain. Let me explain. In the motivational gift, it is something in your personality that makes that gift most prone, that personality of God most prone in your life. Perhaps your person has gone through a lot of hurts and suffering and you can identify with people that the most probably your gift would be that of a, a, a compassion. But God knew what you was going to go through before you went through it and had already framed your personality around that personality of his. Why? You got to understand this. Even though we all got all seven of them, you're not dominant at all seven of them. See, what you got is different from what I got, but when we put the two together, we make a representation of Jesus. See, let me tell you, see, it takes the whole body to represent Jesus. You can't do it all by yourself. And it's about time we quit trying to force little me's and little you's. Now, God don't want a whole lot of you. He want a whole lot of himself. And God is bigger than you and me. See, some of us think that if, that if, if you act like me, you're not sad. Who says? You only dominate one part of God. I may be dominating another part of God. I don't have to be like you as long as I'm like Jesus. about us. That's long. You know what Paul says? He wrote, he wrote to, he wrote to them in, in, in Corinth and he said, you know, you judging me is very little to me. He said, because the truth of the matter is you ain't going to judge me. Christ is. As long as Christ judged me and I'm doing what he's telling me to do, I'm going to be okay. People will talk about you. But make sure you're doing what Christ tells you to do. See, some of us being talked about, and the reason we're being talked about because of our nasty attitude. But when you get like Jesus, all oh, I'll talk about you. Because the more you talk about me, the more I go on my knees. I'm going to be more like Jesus. Give you more to talk about. Verse 16. And in thy book, all my members was written. Now, in most of your Bibles, members is in is in italics, which means that that was added. I, I believe that it goes deeper than just members. I believe that in his book, not only was one, two, three, four fingers. 20,000 hairs on top of your head. But he went into the deeper side and said, yes, he's going to go through this. But I'm going to heal that. Yeah, he's going to go through 
this situation and going to be cut here. And emotionally, he's going to be insecure. But when my Holy Spirit comes in and heals that, he's going to be able to strengthen others in that area. And yes, he's going to be yeah, sexually abused as a little girl. But after I heal her, she's going to be able to help other little girls. And yeah, there's going to be ashes in this area. But I'm going to turn the ashes into beauty. It's written. Not only did he write, not only did he write what you was going to go through, he wrote in it the problem-solving healing to it. See, he wrote the problem, but next to the problem, he wrote the answer. So whatever problem you're going through, yeah, it's written, but next to the problem is the answer. So no matter what you go through, yeah, it's written, but next to it is, my God, the answer. So when you go through the hardest times of your life, say, Lord, I know that you already know that I'm, I'm going to go through this. But, Lord, I know that all I have to do is just go a little bit farther because I'm going to step into the answer. It's written. It's already given. All I have to do is just follow it. All I have to do is stay on track. All I have to do is stay obedient. And the answer is already <laughs> written. Don't believe the lie. Some of you being lied to. Why haven't we already discovered our gifted? Why are we still fumbling around? Why has someone been in church for 30 years and we still don't know what's unique about us? Some of us been in the wrong spot and wonder why we're frustrated. Didn't have no joy doing it when we first did it and still don't have no joy doing it. Somebody told us we need to be busy. So we just stepped in anything and got busy. And didn't realize we should have stepped out of it a long time ago. Because when I am in my giftedness, there's joy. Unspeakable. Oh, I'm not saying that you won't be tested. You would be tested. But there's joy. On the inside. You see, you know, even though our preaching is not a motivational gift, that is an office gift. But, you know, even if I don't feel like it, something happens when I stand up to preach. I don't care how bad I felt before I started preaching. When I start preaching, that's just on the inside. Get to the place I can't help myself. When I didn't feel like jumping, I begin to jump. When I didn't feel like shouting, I start to. So why is it that we have not discovered our giftedness? One of the things I have discovered is lack of knowledge. We've just never been taught it. We have never really studied it. It just really hasn't been expelled to us. 
haven't really saw it hasn't been a priority it kind of like been taught or spoken and it went over our heads and we never asked God about it we never really went to God and said Lord show me teach me and when you begin to say God show me and teach me and begin to look at the scriptures on it it may take 10 years but God will show you God will teach you See, some of the things I asked a long time ago, Lord, teach me, I'm just now learning. But I went back and said, my God, that was five years ago I asked you about that. But God said, well, you ready now. When you asked me, you wasn't ready. But since you asked me, I'm going to honor it. See, he says, you have not because you asked not. We need to start asking. Oh, yeah, we need to say, Lord, it may sound silly, but Lord, you said I have not because I ask not. See, then, then when we ask, we don't believe anyway. Because it don't come right away. We give up. But I tell you what, there's some things. I done waited on 10 years. But thank God for the 10 years. Because now that it's coming, I'm ready. Thank God it didn't come when I asked. Would it kill me? But thank God I'm ready now. And God brings back to my remembrance. You asked me, son. And all I can say is thank you, dad. <laughs> so we haven't asked. We haven't saw. Another thing that hindered us from stepping into our giftedness is that Satan has deceived us that there's nothing special about us. Parents, that's why you should never call your kids, you dummy. Watch what you say to your kids. Watch, now you correct them, but don't put them down. You always messing up. You know that kid here? You always, you a mess up. And so in our own words, come back to that kid. That kid's an adult now. You dead and gone. And your words still got them. Try to step out on God. You a mess up. Well, why are you saying it? Because my mom always told me. I always, they don't always mess up. Kids spill milk. You always. And you're just thinking about the milk. But that kid receives that as everything they do. They are a. Why? Because Satan takes the words that we speak and he plays it over and over. And that person may be the most gifted, anointed person in that area. And they are bound up, won't step out, because those voices are still. God wants to set you free. Satan is a liar, and the truth ain't in him. And God has gifted you. To represent him in a way nobody else can do it. And the next time you sense God should step out and those voices come to you, say, you're a liar 
and the truth not in you. God told me that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I don't want to stop. And all you do is take one step. I do take one hand, and you know, you said, shoot, I felt pretty good. Take a second one. Why? Because there's something about doing what God wants you to do. And some of us are still, what will people say? Still wondering about what people are going to say. And right when you step out, Satan will send somebody a Christian. A Christian. A Christian. A Christian. A mother in the faith. A father in the faith. A preacher. A deacon. Somebody who's praising God all the time. Honey, you don't know what you're doing. Sit down. They'll do it, brother. Amen. Amen. Yeah, they did it wrong, but don't tell them to sit down. Show them how to do it out of love. See, when you first started, you didn't know how to do it either. But thank God, God was patient with you. Matter of fact, I still get it wrong sometimes, but God takes me by my hand and says, Tracy, you did it wrong. Let me show you how to do it. I just say, forgive me, Lord. Two more. Then we're going to go home, okay? Two more. I'm not going to deal with the gifts. I'm just going to give you the hindrance. I also see the unwillingness to open up and reach out to people because of hurts. Some of us has been hurt by the very people we trusted. Amen. Let me change that. All of us been hurt by somebody we trusted. You cannot live in this world and not get hurt. That comes with the territory. And especially when you become a Christian, you best believe you're going to get hurt by somebody. Somebody's going to talk about you. Somebody's going to put you down. we sit there, bitterness, anger, resentment. And even though we got that seed of giftedness, that seed is covered. It can't bust through the concrete. can't bust through the unforgiveness. And we have decided I will never. Some of us have said that. You know, and you know, there's power when you speak it. I will never let nobody in again. I will never be hurt again. You know what's sad about it? Can be married. And a partner's reaching out, but the wall. Because at one time he said, I will never. And some of you sitting here, you know I'm right. And that partner reaches out and they get rejected. Why? Because you said, I'll never. Come here. Come here. 
your kid comes. And the wall is there. Because you said, God comes and wants to draw out of you that which he has given you to be unique in you. But the wall. Many times before we can step into our giftedness, there has to be a healing. There has to be a recognition that that is where I'm at. And I don't like where I'm at. There's a combative spirit. There's a spirit of I won't let you in. I won't let no one step on me. I won't let. And, and, it's, and it is literally suffocating the life of God out of you. And where, if I find myself in that predicament, I have to first recognize that that is true about me. I have to recognize that that is where I am at. And then I have to go to God and say, Lord, I don't like being this way. I don't want to be this way. And even if I get hurt in reaching out, it is most important for me to reach out. I have found out that when you reach out, even if the person rejects you, if you're okay with Christ, it's still okay. But when you keep it out there, you're keeping the wounds open and you stay bleeding. And I'm not saying that some of you haven't been through some stuff. I know you've been through some stuff. But I want you to know, until you recognize that is a trick of Satan to destroy you and allow God to bring healing, you will always stay where you're at. And God got more for you than that. God has more for you than that. Then the next thing, the last thing, the last thing is Sin hinders what God wants to do in me. Some of us think that we have latched on to something good. And it's really apart from sin from keeping me away from what is really the best. And we refuse to let go of this because we think it's so fulfilling. And I never become what God wants me to be. Now, can you imagine standing before God and God said, why didn't you let me? I believe that God's going to show me what I could have been. That when I stand before God, he's going to give me a picture of what I could have been. And I'm going to stand there and I'm going to cry. Yeah, there's a difference between crying and weeping. Matter of fact, to lament, to lament. Lamentation means it's uncontrollable. It's heaving. It is, uh, it is uncontrollable. It's everything in you. You are cut to the quick. And the whipping I believe that is in Luke 12 isn't that God taking whipping with you. He shows you what he had prepare for you to be and in the essence of sin that you see how far, yes, far you feel short and you begin to why else would God wipe all the tears I mean that's in heaven 
So I will wipe all the tears from your eyes. Wait a minute, I'm in heaven. I'm doing crying anyway. When he shows me. church. Church is the Greek word ekklesia, which means called out one, called out of darkness into his marvelous light, called out of bondage into his freedom, called out of sorrow into his unspeakable joy, called out of sin into his righteousness, called out of no purpose. Now he has given me a purpose. Call out of something I didn't know what I was in. So now I got a part of the kingdom. I'm part of God's agenda. Now, 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 check this out. Christ has went back to heaven and the church is his body. That means that Christ now through the Holy Spirit lives within everyone who is in the church, who is in Christ. And what he has given you is a divine nature that he has given you to be unique in. So when you begin to function in your gift, it's not you. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. And people begin to see God working through See, he says, stir up, Timothy. I'm writing to you. I remember the gift that was on you. Not that I put it in you, but when I lay my hands on you, that gift that was in you began to rise up. Paul didn't put it in him. It was already in him. But the anointing on Paul called that anointing in Timothy to stir up. So he said, Timothy. Stir up. Don't let it lay dormant anymore. Timothy, don't sit back and be quiet anymore. Timothy, quit being a pew sitter and find out that gift that God has put in you and in the Holy Ghost. Stir it up. Well, how do you stir up the ghost? How do you stir up the gift? Well, number one, you get in his word. Because his word is life. See, it's more than words on a page. It's, it's life. And when the word gets into me, something begins to happen on the inside because life is speaking life into me. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, I hear that. Then something begins to stir up on the inside and he tells me to love somebody. Not just anybody. He tells you to love your enemies. You see somebody you don't care about. The world comes back and says, love your enemy. You know, you try to walk by. You know, but it says, love your enemy. You get to the place that you, you're trying to you know, go as fast as you can. But he says, love your enemy. Then, then that person steps right in front of you. You know you don't want them to be that. And the boss says, love your enemy. Next day you know, you find yourself, I love you. Why? Because the word speaks life into your spirit. And, and if you really got the Holy Ghost, you can't take it. 
the word begin to speak into you and you begin to say, I can't help myself. Hold on. There's another one. You begin to pray. See, because when you pray, you begin to talk to God. But God begins also to talk to you. And then, you know, it's funny how, you know, I got my agenda. I said, Lord, and Lord, Lord, begin to talk. I said, no, what about that person you need to go back and say you're sorry? But Lord, I, I want to pray, but what about that person you need to go back and say you're sorry? But Lord, what about this? Lord, go back and tell that person you're sorry. I'm not listening to you. Go back and tell him. And every time I get down on my knees, go back and tell that person you're sorry. Lord, I'm going to talk. Go back and tell him you're sorry. Guess what? After a while, I'm talking. Man, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry, man. He speaks life. And the reason why some of us don't got life, we're not in the word. The reason some of us don't got life, we're not praying. So how can you have life if you don't go to life to get life? Not just what you read, but 
to the place that you are falling in love with him. See, I'll just be honest with you. Fear may have brought you, but fear won't keep you. See, we're going to talk about I'm love. I'm in love. You don't know what love is until you get loved on by Jesus. Amen. You don't know how to love nobody until you get loved on by Jesus. Oh, and he'll love you and make you clean on the inside. Do you know him? He came. He came. He came. He came to preach the gospel, the good news to the poor. He came to, to speak to the brokenhearted. He came to give sight to the blind. He came to set the captives free. He came to set that those that are liberty that's been bruised. He came to set you free today. Will you allow the power of Jesus Christ to be manifest in your life? Where do you start? You start by accepting him as your Lord and Savior. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about relationship. We're not talking about a lot of do's and don'ts. We're talking about a love affair. We're talking about knowing the person of Jesus Christ and him being real. Today is the day he wants to set you free. Today is the day he wants to become real to you. You know, you may have had church membership for a long time, but it hasn't been real. Church membership will not save you. But a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Real. Step out in faith today. If you're here and you know you don't know him, forget about what people will say. Because when you stand before Jesus, it doesn't matter what other people are saying. You'll be standing there all by yourself. Don't let anything stop you from stepping.